wants to get strong it's a big thing yeah kind of important i'd yeah. say the big the big thing out of all the things it's a very strength first at least yeah strength first and the others will follow uh so eric actually compiled some good thought-provoking questions that seem like they'll kind of flow right into the bigger topic yeah kind of like the most common questions i get about strength so figure we start start with the questions and then trail off as we often do yeah so yeah the first one i well first we should just define what strength is so yeah you you got some i you some did some notes. research so um i remember this from the l1 and obviously there's you know different different factions of strength and conditioning will have slightly different way to ex explain it um in the crossfit methodology or in the handbooks originally it was just a muscles contractile potential or a group of muscles contractile potential um, which I think from like a anatomy standpoint makes sense, but it, it's also lacking a little bit of substance. Like it doesn't, doesn't really give any, it's kind of esoteric. doesn't really explain anything. Yeah. It's almost too, too technical that it's not applicable. Yeah. But at heart it really is how hard can you contract your and generate electricity with your muscles? Yeah. Right. I think electricity is a really good way to put it. Because that's what it is, but it's like people don't really make that connection yeah. um, from the nervous system. Uh, so CrossFit eventually amended that to the productive application of that force. And I, I think that's a little more easier to di digest, and like mm -hmm. a little more palatable way to think about strength is applying that contractile potential of your muscle groups into something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or onto something. And it's, it's important, a little asterisk here. That it is also important to note again, going on the to the mobility side stream here, is that uh, strength is meaningless without the mobility to express the strength. Mm -hmm. So, I've seen powerlifters that can squat 800, 900 pounds, but yet you couldn't for the life of them having to do a overhead squat with an empty barbell. Mm -hmm. So that's why that goes. I like that definition better because it it's in reference to you have to be able to apply it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like strength on its own. A potential strength potential doesn't really do shit for anybody. Right? Can you do? Can you use it in certain positions and certain movements? And I think those, like you brought up, uh, the mobility side, but also like the technique side, they're almost undivorceable from strength. Like you have to have some way to express that strength via a movement or via a piece of uh, maybe your body weight or uh, an object. Mm -hmm. You know, some other external thing. And that's the the last definition I have here: the NSCA. National Strength Conditioning Academy. Um, theirs, theirs was force production against an external force, and whether that be, you know, a lot of times might just be gravity, if you're, you know, if we're using our body weight or something, but also any external load that yeah, you resistance, any yeah, resistance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like those, and yeah, I think there's, there's, it's important to note, like, you could not actually build any muscle but you could get stronger just oh, by neurologically and yep. 
learning how to contract your muscle. Teaching the muscle you have to can have harder contractions. When you see the right. bean poles that are uh, just phenomenal deadlifters because right. the muscle they have can highly activate. Yeah. And conversely, you can see dudes with a bunch of slabs of muscle that's right. not able to productively apply yeah. any force to anything. Yep. You know, so there's like the the big for nothing guys, but then there's also the the string bean, you know, wiry strength type of people. Right. right. Um, that, that's kind of the second question is how do I get strong? And so there's, I don't know, in my mind, there's kind of like two ways to do it. There's like the the adapting your current muscles, and then there's building muscle. High pressure for you. Yeah. yeah. And I think in the building muscle that direction that goes back to the potential for me it's like building more muscle mass doesn't actually necessarily mean you're stronger it means you have more potential to make that new right found muscle mass yeah if you can stronger. activate if you can activate new, new it becomes part of your system right um but we do kind of a mix of both typically yeah yeah so if someone came to you and said how do i get strong how would you guys answer that at first, um, <laughs> I first start off with the motor control by far has to come first. Yeah. It needs to be established right away before we ever start getting into strength, endurance, max contractions. Motor control is the number one priority. You should be able to move well with great control and technique across any part of the movement, mm -hmm. whether it's top or the bottom, wherever it is, you should have that great control. Yeah. Then from motor control, then strength endurance would come next. So you should be able to apply that to a number of reps before we even start getting into big heavy scary weights we just should be able to do lighter weights for a number of reps without and then breaking once, down without breaking down right and then once strength endurance is established then and only then can we start dipping our toes in the water for max contractions mm -hmm. so then max contractions we can start putting big heavy weights on and seeing how hard we can get how much electricity we can generate with those hard contractions mm. i have that that charter that you talk about quite often on here the you know, motor motor control, then uh, accumulation, then intensification, um, and I think a lot of people don't. When the things that you spoke about don't necessarily pertain in people's minds to like that's how I'll get strong, but those are absolute necessities as prequels to getting strong. Yep. Well, and it is how they get strong. But it hundred percent is how you get strong because let's say we're doing that. I mean, the continuum. Or part of the continuum is motor control, strength, endurance, and then max contractions. Now, if I'm having someone, whoever, the accumulation is something different, but if I'm having someone accumulate time under tension as a beginner, which often is the best course of action, or it is always the best course of action to get someone dipping their toes in the water for resistance training is accumulate time under tension. More through that time under tension, they're, they're, it's a really cool honeymoon phase where more and more of their muscle is activating through each set. They can be a lot stronger person from the first set to the third set because they it's wild how quickly they activate that muscle. Mm. Yeah, you could like you could teach someone to air squat and never get any hypertrophy out of them and like never really tax their their strength, but just teach them how to squat and their back squat would increase. Like in the beginning, you know, just because just learning how to move properly and and control your muscles will make you stronger yeah and that's an unseen part of the strength equation the biggest unseen part of the strength equation is the communication with the nervous systems in the muscle it's mm -hmm. like we're not just training like the big muscle that you see we're training like this invisible like the electricity you spoke about first to make sure that that whole system is 
talking. It's, and it's beginning to wake up to know it needs to generate electricity. Mm -hmm. And that kind of ties in with why the accumulation in the first place. Because contractions are going to be a lot harder for us to repeat with, for a, a number of reps. So if we're talking about eight reps of a concentric contraction at the highest we can do, we're not going to get anywhere close to, to the time of retention as if we can elongate out the time on the way down, the more that muscle is learning to wake up mm -hmm. throughout each one of those elongated out time retention. Yeah, and for those who don't know what we're talking about, stand up, do an air squat up and down one second. Now stand up and do an air squat and count to 10 on the way down. Right. And feel the difference of work that happens in the legs. And even more pronounced with that, if we said, let's see how many piston-like air squats you can do, up and down, up and down, up and down, count how much, if all of that is time retention, right? Count how many you can get when you're pistoning up and down versus how many seconds, total seconds you can get is if you come up, lower down four seconds. Come up lower down four seconds. If we did that, your time of retention with that lowering down four seconds would blast the pistoning up and down because the concentric contractions for a beginner are so much harder for them to stay with that same amount of time of retention. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't come anywhere close to the amount of time you'd be able to do the accumulation mm -hmm. of the time of retention. So let's, let's say they've... Um, we typically always go into this when we're talking like strength and... Uh, strength and conditioning principles, but going back to somebody who's like a blank slate, right? Which I think is a good way to explain most of this stuff because you get the whole picture. Right. Um, when you're listening to the episode, you get the whole picture of like, you know, start to finish. How does that process unfold on somebody who's untrained? Um, so let's say that person has accumulated or they have the motor control. They've accumulated some time under tension. Now we're going to try to start working towards enduring with that same movement pattern with a little load, correct? Yeah. Before we get into that, uh, which which is something we need to talk about, but progress, progressive overload uh, principle. Well, so. you can start, you start with progressive overload <clears throat> even in developing motor control. Those are those can be synonymous. They can be the same thing. Um, so you don't, it's not like we're doing motor control here at the strength endurance here. You can start to develop motor control with the strength endurance for the beginner. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. they naturally will. You can't stop it from developing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so, and, you, and you could progressively overload like a, like a, a four like sets four sets eight or something like that, and, and increase it a little bit every time. Right. Yeah. And the motor control is going to because that's on the lighter end of it. We're just more concerned with the moving well part because later when we're developing strength endurance, it's going to be more unconscious competence. We don't have to really really focus that hard. That makes, makes sense. Yeah, be more automatic. Right. Movement. And that's why that's, that's the only difference between the motor control and strength endurance initially for the beginner, is that mm -hmm. we really have to focus on the movement first. Mm -hmm. Then, and later on, it just becomes intuitive movement. Yeah. So, to simplify it, it's kind of like you need to learn how to move and then learn how to move over multiple reps under moderate loads yep. and continue perfect movement. And then the next phase would be maximal loads and yep. still maintain perfect movements. Mm -hmm. And that's that mechanics, consistency, intensity that right. we always talk about. It's the same concept, right? We got right. I think this is even for me something I forget is strength and strength expression are two different things, right? Like if you don't have the mobility, the technique or like the movement virtuosity to express you might have more potential to be strong already sitting in you, but you you can't use it. You can't show it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that those two concepts get like very much interwoven and confused. Yeah. Yeah. 
so along that way on the path i'd also add like making sure you get proper nutrients and sleep that's huge is is huge it is yeah. enormous yeah. sleep being the highest right. in nutrition yeah because your day-to-day -day strength can like right. roller coaster if your lifestyle is a roller coaster yeah and you're and when you strength train you're breaking down your body and then it triggers your body to repair and rebuild stronger yeah. and if you don't give it that opportunity to repair and right. build stronger it won't get stronger if you are not making a sleep priority then you're just not wanting to get strong yeah that's a good that's a good rule of thumb <laughs> right yeah. yeah the best the best strength athletes the best athletes in general are the ones that recover really well and that could be because you're young or it could be because you really are good at sleeping and eating well yeah or both with, with, with all a lot of this stuff is well about the most important ingredient um, to any program is consistency mm -hmm. but it falls really high up there recovery and sleep yeah is right next to that because it doesn't matter how if you're working out every single day but you're not getting a wink of sleep you're not gonna all that consistency is gonna do you nothing it's exactly. gonna tear your body down yeah uh, I explained this I tried to explain this kind of condensed in one of the element sessions uh, when we do the recovery talk about it's kind of our responsibility here to give you the stimulus mm -hmm. but it's your responsibility to handle the adaptation to that stimulus yeah. and if you're not handling adaptation the things that support adaptation and you just come and get stimulus 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 there's there's nothing good that's really going to come of that you're going to adapt in a bad yeah. way right you're not going to actually rest and recover what i actually do and i've done it with with my clients um, with, with a few people is if they're telling me they're not sleeping or they're having a terrible night's sleep It's not a punishment. I'm just like let's not work out. Let's wait till you get a good night's sleep So just because I want to compel them to make it a priority and they're they're so thankful that I had them rather than coming to work out Thankful that I had them go to sleep. They feel so much better mentally and physically mm -hmm. I think it's, it would be irresponsible uh, of the of the person to not uh, to work out off of little sleep, mm -hmm. we avoid avoid all the injuries and avoid the mental unwellness that is so prevalent when we do that consistently. Yeah, the number one number one cause of injuries is lack of sleep. They did, they did a study I saw a couple years ago that that yep. uh, mentioned that. Shout all out right. to Dr. Matthew Walker of Why We Sleep. <laughs> that bus sponsor us, <laughs> please. <laughs> Um, all right. Do you have another question? Because I have something we could reel it back to real quick. Yeah. Well, my next question was what what is strong enough? So if you go through that phase, like if you go through that it's the progression, what when are you strong enough? I have an idea on this, and I don't know if okay. it's synonymous with your guys, but it'd be I think you'd be strong enough when the demands of your environment are met. Yeah, um, I like that. And yeah, it, there's really no reason to go beyond those if it's gonna if there's diminishing returns on your life. Right. Because I've been strong enough, yeah. <laughs> strong enough for the demands of your environment, which yeah. for everybody is different. Yeah, because yeah, your goals could be different and your environment could be different. So it is like that, that question kind of will have an answer of it depends. On everybody. Yeah. I have some, uh, some basic guidelines that are a little more specific on strong enough. Is where, where, the, the, the very bottom tier that you want to get to as far as what's strong enough. And, and it, there's a, a tie-in with this too. Is that as far as where you want to devote your energy for getting strong, and I kind of compare this to the analogy is if you're trying to learn skiing, right, and you just fling yourself on the black diamond moguls, you're going to be perpetually falling and never learning skiing. But 
I think it's very important that we apply ourselves in getting strong enough, very, very important, into the absolute strength movements by far the first. So like the squat, the deadlift, the bench press, uh, anything where strength is the main moving part. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have to put all our eggs in that basket. And then, once we get absolute strength, then we apply ourselves to these strength speed movements. Then and only then. Other, if we're doing any strength speed, like, like Olympic lifting or push, press, push, jerk, it's only as a skill element, right? It's only as developing the, te the movement technique. And then, if, we, if we're not violating uh, strength conditioning protocols, then we can start moving on to strength or speed strength. So that would be like throwing a ball, punching, reverse med ball throw, um, even box jumps. Uh, and then and only then, and that not everyone needs to follow the whole strength and, and uh, strength continuum and go across the whole thing. But then we have absolute speed, which would be like sprinting 100 meters. And I think we've all known someone that has like pulled a hamstring um, from coming out the gates firing too hot on a 100 meter dash suddenly. Right. Right? I know a whole handful of people, a ton of people that have done it. But as far as basic prerequisites that you should shoot for, with the absolute strength is, and these are just really basic, like 100% body weight, we'll go through a few, 100% of body weight for your back squat. And then for your front squat, 185% uh, of your back squat. For your deadlift, 125% of your back squat, whatever your back squat is. And as your back squat rises, if we're trying to uh, maintain that structural balance, so will all the, the front squat and deadlift numbers. And then we, we have uh, another baseline at close grip bench press, will our weighted pull up with our weight added with the weight would be 87% of our close grip bench press. Um, and then we've got those across the board, what we should be shooting for, and if we haven't gotten those, then we should be real mindful not to jump into that part of the strength continuum that we haven't checked the box. Mm -hmm. uh, we should be real cautious about it at, at least. Mm -hmm. We want to check those boxes before moving on to the other parts of the strength continuum. If we do that, we're in for a, a good, long, healthy life, minus the injuries. We can be well into our old age and, and and do everything we want to do without restriction. Mm -hmm. I was going to say the durability piece of strength, like when you've accumulated enough strength to be durable to do all the tasks that you want to do or are demanded of you to do, that seems like a, that's the that's as strong as you should be at a minimum. Right. Right? Is to be durable enough to do the things that are required of you without being injured. Yeah. I think about it like this too is that. Yeah, sometimes we're like, am I strong enough to do the things I want to do and do them okay? But when you get stronger, then there's more things that you want to do. Yeah, you can do. You're li you're, you can live life more abundantly. Because right now you're setting limitations on yourself based off of how strong you are or what you can do. But the more things, and that's where the, the there's freedom and discipline comes in, the more things that you don't have that limitation at, then the world is your oyster. You can be like, I'm going to go free climb Yosemite. I'm going to El Capitan. <laughs> and that's right. something that's possible for you that would never be possible until you got to that place where it was. Right. And, uh, and yeah, it makes, make the stronger you are, the easier it makes your everyday life kind of. Yeah. But, but yeah. Everyday life is just, that's like the basic one. Right. But then what else, how, the stronger we get as far as across the board with, with both energy system training and, and pure strength training, Right. Then the, the more we'll want to do, the more our life will require us to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's definitely a cap for that, too. Like, I think I, I've downloaded that question as, like, what's too, how strong is too strong, almost. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a point in that strength continuum of diminishing returns, because I've been there, where it's, like, upholding this un, 
unbelievable level of strength on a multitude of movements, there is a, a point where that training cost to maintain that takes oh, away. Oh, the training from, cost, right? Yeah, yeah takes away from your ability to do all those things that you yeah. want to do. Right. So it's Absolutely. like there's a there's a balance yep. of of finding that the edge of I'm as strong as I can be without diminishing returns. Right. Without wasting yeah. your time in the gym all day, yeah. never get to using. And there, there's even. So there's that, and then there's even diminishing returns as far as your overall health. So if your goal is to be healthy, which most of us are here, um, if you can deadlift a thousand pounds, yep. then you probably are sacrificing. Oh yeah, or you definitely are sacrificing your health to yeah, yeah. Uh, to achieve that. So hundred percent. Yep. So I think like like looking at a CrossFitter, Austin Malio, I always give this example where he deadlifted 600 pounds and then ran a marathon under three hours and both of those are kind of like there's no need for anyone to be stronger or run a marathon faster than that i would say like yeah. that you, so it's I, not your job like, right yeah so i always think of that as like a good example of like you you're done like yeah you, <laughs> you can do whatever you want to do pretty right. much yeah. yeah so um yeah so i'd say like i think somewhere between 100 percent of your body weight back squat and 200% of your body with back squat yep. like being somewhere between there is like that's a good healthy like without having to devote all the training time in the world right to scratch every inch more out of that because once right? you get a double body weight back squat like it's probably going to take a lot of time to go up to 210% yeah like so and it's not worth it if your goal is to just live a good life and yeah. be healthy right so you'll have to pull from other pots to make that happen right and you also Here's a thing that I've struggled with and I think a lot of people do is when they reach a certain apex of strength on a given movement or, or modality or whatever, you become like, that's my high watermark that I have to now hold on to forever. Yeah, but it's not, it's just not happen, realistic. Right? I, I've, I've recognized I've probably seen my last heaviest deadlift in yeah. ever in my life. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with that. And you're probably in ways <laughs> yeah. stronger. You might yeah. not be stronger at a barbell deadlift, but yeah. you're probably, oh, yeah. I've seen you snatch those 100 pound kettlebells around. Like, yeah. you're they're right. strong in other ways now. Yep, exactly. 100% agree. I don't care that I can't, not that I do a, a lifetime PR for a deadlift yeah. anymore. And I'm, I'm going through that right now, like literally this part of my life where those numbers don't really mean what they meant before. And I'm okay with like, I can do all this other stuff now and I don't have to devote such a, so much of my life force it's liberating to like way, yeah. I gotta hold on to this 500 right. pound yeah. squat or else I'm gonna whatever my like, life will fall apart identity is like attached to it right yeah yeah, yeah. so I think as, in terms of strength in numbers there's definitely a little bit of uh, of risk there if you're somebody who gets attached to those things just that's one like that's one day that's reflecting what you did that day but that doesn't mean you have to sustain that forever because you can't and you won't and if you try to you're probably gonna either burn out get hurt yeah. So strength is definitely something that needs to be balanced with, like you said, the other modalities that we try to do. Yeah. And not be identified with, you know, my yeah. four hundred pound squat, and that's me. Can, right. can, uh, can I make an uh, important note too? So the, I'll I'll pretty um, religiously follow the continuum of getting my athletes up or clients up to uh, up through that continuum in the right way. But well, what happens when we do that, though, is when I do introduce a new part of the continuum, like Olympic lifting off of the absolute strength, they learn it so shockingly fast. Mm -hmm. I mean, Olympic lifting is arguably, it's in the contention for the two hardest movements in all of, all of athletics. So it's, there's a lot going on with that. But when, I can, when they've already well-established their absolute strength, 
then it is so easy to get them some baseline proficiency with it. Where I can see people struggle forever and ever and ever if they haven't gotten to that place yet. So it actually accelerates our whole process if we're being mindful to prioritize the thing that we should prioritize at the time. Everything will get there much faster, the end result, of right. being living that life with as much abundance as we can. Yeah, I think that's a a good point and something that we adapted with the like our two tiers of strength that the tune and build is that build is kind of that yeah the uh, the building those basics like if it's a squat clean yep. the the build will be a front squat because you should yep. develop that first and if you're if you're if you're doing if you're trying to do the one that you know if if the, at least the person has an idea then maybe they're getting ahead of themselves. It's that and it's that skier trying to jump on the moguls before they've got the they've got the blues down or the greens down or the bunny slopes even. Right. You need to make sure that they're getting on the level that allows them to grow mm -hmm. instead of just falling all the time. Right. And I think if the coach can clearly and concisely explain that to a person without getting into all like the sciencey jargon, they'll they'll yeah. take to it right yep. away. Right. I've never had any in. anyone ever not respond well when I've, I've grabbed him and said, hey, this is why we're doing this. Yeah. I like the ski analogy because you could learn on a black diamond, but it would take you oh, a really it, long it, time. It, it might, you'd never learn as well as if you started off at the, at the level. you just be yeah. constantly falling. Right. Like, oh, I made it five feet. I made it six feet. I made it's it terrifying. Feet. Right? And it's terrifying. Yeah. And you'll probably get hurt. Yeah. Whereas, like, if some, whereas, like, someone next to you learning on the right, they get the, the fundamentals they down. They can go down without falling. Eventually, they're gonna ski by go, and be like, "Exactly, right. you're gonna be in the same mountain, and they've got twenty different mountains." Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah. So that's kind of answers um, how how you get strong. We didn't talk too much about progressive overload. That's the one thing I wanted to reel back to because that's yeah, that's a good kind of a key principle. We spoke briefly about it, but in in terms of like building strength on it on any given lift or movement yeah. mm -hmm. like from week to week or month to month there should be some sort of increase in either load or volume or intensity to give the adaptation of strength yeah but that doesn't last forever and i think that's exactly yeah like oh i pr so next cycle i'm gonna have to add 50 pounds to that or right right it's like it can't be a never-ending right. progression yeah progressive over that is good but then you have to be when you know when to switch things up, yeah. right? Yeah, the, the cyclical nature of change your movement or you know change the tempo of the movement right. or change to a different implement. Or An something. enormous yeah. imp important ingredient to uh, to the success of a program is getting progressive overload, or at least doing it with efficiency. I mean. Yeah, you do have to be smart about it because otherwise, like if you think about it, if I add five pounds to my back squat every month, there would be a lot of people back squatting over 2,000 pounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, so you do have to, like I think the Wendler is like a, a nice simple uh, approach to progressive overload and in that, like you you reset and you peel back. Yeah, which yeah. we do in class programming and I don't think anybody even notices it and I'll point it out right. all the time when we're on the beginning or end of a cycle. Just so you guys know, this is what the next roughly 10 weeks is going to entail yeah, and you're right. not even going to notice we're doing it but the reps are going to decrease your loads are going to increase right yep. and we're going to retest in 10 weeks and then we'll change movements yeah. right well that's why the progressive overload is more useful for someone on the closer to the beginning of their journey than the end yeah and that's why percentages are more useful for someone that has a lot of high training age. yeah because they're it's pretty stacked where yeah. they're at and they're just trying to squeak by with another couple pounds or so right when you when you've got lots of years of training age mm -hmm. 
And I don't know if any or if most other CrossFit affiliates or, or group class type fitness places use that principle in their programming or if it's just kind of like... That progressive level? Yeah, like yeah. The, the variability or the... Uh, the variance of CrossFit programming, I think, sometimes can take over that progressive overload. But yeah, like you need to have that in there. It's a big missing element sometimes. A lot of mm -hmm. CrossFit gym. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's tough because there's so many movements to to train. There's so many energy systems we want to train. There's yeah, there's a lot to fit in. Like if you did every week, you did squats on Monday, deadlifts on Wednesday. Olympic lifts on Friday, like it would be, that's not constantly varied, which is a CrossFit principle. There's benefit to that for sure, but then it's like in a group setting, not everybody's going to make it. And so then you're going to be missing days and like, yeah, so the constantly varied is kind of our approach where we do like, you know, we'll do a 20, you know, 20 reps and then progress to three by 15 and then uh, four by eight and, and like progress that way. Um, and it's not going to be always Monday or Tuesday or whatever. We kind of constantly vary it that way. In general, if you miss a day, you know, it's not going to screw you up. Or if you come every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, you're not always going to get deadlifts. And yeah. So then your your maybe posterior will develop unevenly compared to your your uh, squat or your press. You know, so yeah. So that. That's kind of how we answered it. If someone could only make it to certain days is what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah if it exactly. wasn't varied, they would just yeah. be hitting the same movement right. time after time after time. So I think it's, you it's hard to balance of, that. You do a good job of folding in the movements. Um, so we'll have, we won't just have like a squat cycle running. We might also have a strict press cycle running. And we're working like Olympic lifting skill days with right. complexes and light loads and stuff. But yeah. those are all folded in a way where over the course of a month, two months, three months, you're going to touch on all those things. Right. And they're all going to be progressing. You just don't even realize. Right. So the a lot are of people, increasing, the reps are decreasing. Yeah. A lot of people don't even know we have a, a progressive strength uh, uh, program. Well, hopefully yeah. they will now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to get going with it. Yeah. 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 And if you're someone like, uh, like with Levi and you're doing more personalized stuff, that track of progressive overload is just going to be quicker. Yeah. Right? Quicker it's and clearer. Quicker and, and clearer. Yeah. You're not, it's not going to be spaced out like that. Um, and customized to you. Right. Yeah. So there's very specific with everything from sets to movements to uh, the rep ranges. Everything is very specific. So you'll get the highest efficacy you can. Here's yeah. one question that I have that I circled is what are optimal work to rest, uh, typical, typical work to rest periods look like for true strength building exercises? That's a great question. But it, it, that also depends on the athlete. Very much so it depends on the athlete. And that kind of ties in with you. You have a lot of force production. You're going to actually need more rest for true strength building than, let's say, someone first starting off because you have more of a capacity to flush yourself of energy with a few reps, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if I have someone just beginning their resistance training, they're, they, as hard as they might try, they're not going to be able to have hard contractions. So they can rest much shorter than someone that has a, a, a very high capacity for uh, contractions mm -hmm. right there. So yeah, if we like both if, did a five by five next to each other, they'd be ready to go for that next set after yep. two minutes, and I would need five minutes. You would need five, exactly, right? And especially if we're doing one rep max days, you're going to need, you could rest eight minutes and still be ready, not ready to go. Right? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Depends on how, who you are and, and how hard you can contract. Right. And then it kind of ties in, because that's an interesting tie-in, is that we really, unless you get a baseline amount 
of strength. You really can't, you're, you're unable to tip your toes in the water for very much anaerobic energy system training. You can't do it. Your body won't let you because you don't have enough force production too. Because with, with anaerobic energy system training, you have to go a lot more fast and furious. And if we're talking, let's we say we start at the beginning, anaerobic elastic power, which is 10 seconds all-out effort or so, 10 seconds all-out effort. Well, if you don't have enough baseline force production or strength in order to flush yourself instantly of energy, you'll never even you'll never even get to that stage. You're, you're going to look at me, and you should have for that something like that. You should need require 12 to 15 times the amount of rest to do the work. Well, they'll look at me five seconds later and be like, "I'm ready to go again." Whereas if you did it, you would be you could absolutely flush yourself, and you'd be pretty tired. You need you actually need that rest, mm -hmm. and that's. Really, what the anaerobic energy system is is where you need a lot of rest to work because your work is god awful. Yeah. That's and it's chaotic. Right. You better be able to move well too. Right. Mm -hmm. You did a one question I had too. You did like a West Side conjugate cycle once, didn't you? Yep. So the idea of like accommodating resistance, I know you like made massive strength gains. What was different about that type of cycle? than what you had been doing prior with just like general physical preparedness programming and stuff? Uh, I mean, it was, so I, my cardiovascular system went to hell and, okay. and it was terrible. So yeah. you're pulling and from other buckets like Yeah. So I spent two, two hours strength training. I would do like a main lift and then chains and then bands and work speed and work, uh, you know, all kinds of different strength. And then Five months later, six months later, I went to do handstand push-ups, and I was yeah. know, out, out of breath right. and yeah. couldn't do as many. So I definitely pulled from other buckets, but I knew I was going to sacrifice that. With, with the West Side Conjugate, you were what? I mean, the whole the whole method mm -hmm. is sacrificing everything else for strength, right? And I will say this: even powerlifters, I've worked with a lot of powerlifters, and I had a, a very top of the food chain powerlifters in white. And most people trying to do conjugate method don't need to be doing it. Yeah, it's it's too much. Those are for like people that are trying to squeak out any little gain they can. Right. It's it's but it's not necessary. Yeah. Like, yeah. For most people, like you've mentioned it before, like when there's five by five, right. keep it simple, progressive overload, and you'll mm -hmm. get it. Right. I remember I was at the my my local. This is I was like 15, just started like figuring out how to lift barbells and stuff. And I was me and my buddy had seen that like West Side something on YouTube, and we were doing like banded bench press, right? Like, speed it's reps. fun. It's cool. It was cool <laughs> until some old dude walked up and he started. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" Blah blah. blah. And he's like, and he goes, "Put five more pounds on the bar. Take the bands off and put five more pounds on the bar." Right. And I was like, "Why is this guy so angry?" But I realized like he knew what we knew. Yeah. What we know now. Yeah. You know? Is you just put a little bit more weight right. on the bar and you'll get stronger. It's like you can't barely, 15. you can't run down the street, but now you're like, hey, let's slap a 100-pound rock on and let's try running. Yeah. Right? Instead, right. you don't need it. You, there's other ways you can develop and accommodating resistance for 95% of people out there. And this, all these 95, all the 100% of people are strength training. 95% of people out there is not, is not going to be necessary or even beneficial. The beneficial, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, but I think it is, it is um, worth to say if you're, if you're way unbalanced, if you're like a marathon, lifetime marathoner, and you just need to like even out your buckets, you probably will want to just devote only some time to strength. Because yeah. you're overloaded in the other buckets, devote some time to just strength training, get get your strength numbers up to a place where you think is reasonable, and then you can reintegrate with all those other modalities. Right. Like if you try to keep everything out, if you try to keep running marathons and get strong, it's not going to work. Right. right. So like if there's a huge deficit for somebody and strength 
is usually the one. Take some time to develop it, and yeah. all the other stuff. When you reintegrate to mixed modality training, if you do, everything's gonna be better. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least, like, even at the very least, if you're if you're doing like Monday, Tuesday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or whatever, Tuesday and Friday, those are strength days every week. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole. If, if all before you were doing was aerobic training, then uh, that's a humongous difference by itself. What would you say? Sorry, I got. A, I didn't write all these questions down, but they're in my head because <laughs> I'm also curious. What would you say is the like baseline frequency of strength bouts to gain decent adaptation for a beginner? For a beginner. So that I mean that depends on the person, but I I like to go three days a week for the beginner for most beginners three days a week. I separate it by a day, um, so Monday do some map work on Tuesday, so aerobic work. Then Wednesday map work maybe on Thursday or maybe a rest day on Thursday, and then Friday uh, re- full body resistance, and then maybe map work on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But that's so we get the, the the best dose response as far as adaptation goes as well. Yeah. So they're really only having like a couple of hard, quote unquote harder strength uh, yeah. bouts during yeah. the week at and, first. And, and how that progressive overload works is we start it right from day one, but at the beginning we're far more concerned with making sure the movement is going well. And then later on it organically shifts into now we can push the pace with that movement going well. We're not having a really be mindful of it. And that's it. that intensification yep. period. Well, the intensification is actually lowering the reps okay. and, and lowering the tempo. That's actually we'll stay accumulation is still the same tempo and reps, but maybe dropping, like instead of eight reps, dropping seven reps. That's still an accumulation, but the intensification actually happens when we lower the tempo and the reps, and we're working more towards uh, developing pure strength. Gotcha. And but, that kind of aligns, like the CrossFit methodology is nutrition all day, every day conditioning, you know, four or five days a week, or get your heart rate up four or five days a week, uh, gymnastics three-ish days a week, and then weightlifting two, two-ish days a week. And, like, weightlifting is in, or strength training. So, like, the clock's not going, your heart rate's not elevated, it's pure yeah. strength training. That's kind of, like, what they what what they say. And I think, yeah, two, two days a week for if you're just trying to increase your general fitness is good. But then... If you're biasing your strength, then yeah, I'd say like three, three days a week, and then maybe even adding some accessory days or mm-hmm. something like that. But Supporting exercises. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads into the next question I get a lot is, should I start with strength training or cardio first? Like if I want to get fit. If you had to sacrifice one or the other. Well, a lot, well that's a lot. Yeah, that's kind of the the answer is you can do both, especially if you're at a if you haven't adapted at either. Yeah. Like you might as well do both at the same time. Yeah. But I think yeah, I guess that's kind of the answer, but they'll serve each other. Right. Yeah. Which is non traditional thinking up till somewhat recently. Yeah. Like, I, was, I, was just, I remember being like, oh, dude, don't run. If you lift it today, do not run. Right. Because you're going to throw away your gains. You're going <laughs> to yeah. Yeah, set your gains on fire. But even like bodybuilding, I remember when I first saw CrossFit, it was like, why are you doing squats in a cardio workout? Squats is a, is a strength movement or whatever, you know? Or, or why are you doing cardio one day and strength the next day? Because like, bodybuilding is like all about like, like periodization almost where it's like you, you do a dirty bulk phase where you just gain weight, gain strength, and then you lean out and then you do cardio and then you 
basically yeah, dehydrate and, and starve yourself and do different cardio. times of the season yeah. or whatever. So yeah. so CrossFit in general, that was like a that was like a shock to the fitness world is oh you can get stronger and and improve your endurance at the same time. For most people, unless yeah. you've like, unless you're an elite marathon runner or, or an elite power lifter, I will say uh, the quicker pathway to being at, let's say, all the workouts can eventually turn into each other. Like mm. you, we could all go into crossfit workouts eventually. The the quickest way to get there safely with the least likelihood injury is to initially separate strength from aerobic work. Yeah, like in the same workout. You mean right? Yeah. So we have like the full body resistance one day, and then on on uh, let's say Tuesday, then that's uh, the rowing. Because the rowing is, if we're talking about developing pace, mm -hmm. is what we're trying to do in the sustainable energy. It's so much harder to develop sustainable energy when we've got five different movements and we're just brand new introduced to the movements. We don't know how to move well at all. Right. It's going to be up and down, up and down, up and down. And then as we develop across all the modalities with the strength movements, we know them, we develop the strength endurance with them, we motor control is great with them, we can start spattering in more and more and putting those into our aerobic workouts. Mm -hmm. So then we're not just trying to learn the movement on the fly that we barely even touched on, we're putting it in as it's organically going, we're developing it as an as a unconscious competent skill. Right. Yeah, like if there's a workout with running and then heavy squat cleans, like that, that should probably be modified by a lot of people to either a simpler movement than a squat clean yeah. or maybe you just do air squats and, yeah. and keep or that a squat, stance. something yeah. that follows along the part of the strength continuum that you're competent right. in. Right. And like think of that as a cardio day. Yep. Even though for someone that's really developed, that might be a cardio day with some strength mixed in, but maybe you're not there yet and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. Separating them for a beginner is is beneficial. Um, but you could do a strength day on Monday and then come in and do an endurance day. It's not like you need to focus on strength for a year and, yeah. and then start running. And the cool thing yeah. is, is that the longer these go on, the more they can all start to look the same. And right. you'll have gotten progressed there so much faster. Right. right. And then to me, almost like the hallmark of like good CrossFit competence as an athlete is, to be able to express strength with good movement at a high percentage under a high heart rate, mm -hmm. which yeah. is like that, that doesn't, not everybody needs to be doing that. But like, if you're somebody who can do that safely and continuously and effectively, that's probably like, you're pretty much as fit as you possibly ever need to be, unless you're trying to go to the prospect game. Yeah. If you can yeah. lift 80% of any given lift and your heart rate's at 160 and your movement isn't shit, yeah. you probably don't need to get you can much maintain than that. virtuosity, even a threshold. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a, a that's very a, tough skill to acquire. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of like, you know, you, how strong is too strong, you ask? Like, that seems to me like that's kind of a pinnacle. If you can sustainably do that and not be at risk for injury or not be uh, paying a huge training cost for that. Right. Yeah. Then you're probably strong enough. I'd like to throw in one other thing with strength, but it also definitely applies to, you know, aerobic power too. But I think it's overlooked is that if you don't know how to breathe, for whatever strength movement that you're doing, that you're missing near the top of the most important thing for 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 any strength movement. You should know exactly how to breathe for whatever you're doing, because mm. it's such a critical role in you want successfully doing the movement. But your your breathing, 
being right, go, going correct, is, is your, or you're breathing going wild, is the first sign of positional capacity waning. Mm -hmm. So if you're not breathing at the right time, you're not going to be even braced for the movement. You're not going to have uh, any intra-abdominal pressure to, let's say, do a heavy back squat. But the breathing alone can make that movement so much more effective, so you have so much more force production, and it's going to be, you're going to be much safer for you to do. All, if nothing else went right except for your breathing, it'd be so, so much safer. Yeah, more effective. Yeah, this... I just got a thought about, remember the uh, the dude who was like talking shit about your, your crutch, your belt? Oh yeah, the weight belt, yeah. What's up with your midline yeah, crutch? Yeah. And like I'm I'm totally impervious to, or maybe that's not the right word, I don't have a strong opinion on weight belts if you're a trained athlete. Yeah. If and you're lifting over 80% sure. of your one rep max. But if you're a new person trying to develop movement capacity or movement quality, like, and you have a belt on. You're undoing all the good shit that could be happening by putting yeah. that belt on. Right. Unless you're using it to cue yourself and you have a coach there and yeah. you're explaining it. If you're just throwing it on because you think it's going to make you stronger, yeah. it's not. It's making you weaker. The main reason I use a belt is to build for heavy weights. And I usually stick to a rule of like 90% or about 85% Well, It's just to help me build more intra-abdominal pressure. That's yeah. It. yeah. It's almost like a just a cueing mechanism at that point. You should yeah. be strong enough to potentially do that lift without the belt. But it's a little added layer of, yeah. of help. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, don't put it on too early for uh, for even for the day. But also, don't for an athlete just beginning. They should be thinking about those. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of akin with the whole breathing mechanics and bracing. Is that's a huge part of strength expression. And if we don't develop that, and you mask it with putting a belt on too early and all those things, your your ceiling for getting strong is just going to be so much lower. Yeah. So you you didn't give your body that time to really figure it out. Yeah, for sure. And to expand on the breathing, we kind of came up, or I was thinking about it, and then you mentioned it, and so this was serendipitous, but like, for the first month, if you make yourself only breathe through your nose, yep. it can also act as a limiter to like keep you in check, Yeah, um, where you're, you're not, uh, yep. you're not redlining. 100%, highly, highly recommend, yeah. only through the nose, whether that's for the aerobic work or for strength work all through yeah. the nose and one you can get bigger deeper more it's much more easy for you to diaphragmatically breathe which is immensely important for any strength movement as well you can get a much bigger volume of air when you breathe through the mouth it's more you're more inclined to vertically breathe into the chest um, but as a strength athlete you'll need to be able to breathe or any athlete really you'll need to be able to breathe into the diaphragm the yes. 360 expansion of breath We've kind of started recommending that with new people recently, just for the first month, try to only breathe through your nose while you're working out. And Good. it just, just makes you keep everything in check, especially while you're learning the movements. And it's, yep. yeah, it can be a good little trick. Yeah. And one more thought on the belt thing. <laughs> it just popped in my head because we're talking about, it. we've never really brought it up on the podcast before. I don't think Yeah, it's like, um, it's almost a vicious cycle. Cause if you like, if you wear a belt a lot when you lift and then you, you think you're doing it because you don't want to get hurt, but then you hurt your back, it's going to only reinforce that you want to wear a belt more. Yeah. And it's like the real cure to all of that is to just do everything without a belt and go lighter on everything. Right. So it could yeah. actually become the root cause right. of like your back issues where you think I'm doing it for protection. You're actually just right. adding fuel. Allowing yourself your... to get in precarious positions there too. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Thinking that, hey, this is going to save me. This belt's going to keep you safe. You know, I, I mean, it's hard to explain that to people because they have their thoughts about things. Is there a lot of people that can wear belts? Or? No, 
here compared to my like you remember Merrimack? Yeah, they all oh, yeah. I saw people wearing belts for wall balls. Everything, <laughs> everything they do, they have a belt. Okay, oh, I should, can we bleep that out? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot we were recording. Yeah. Uh, my bad, people. My bad, but it's a culture thing. It's like everybody wore a belt for most movements. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what happens when y'all the belt store shuts yeah. down? Like yeah. you're all gonna get back injuries. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like here, honestly, though, on the average, unless it's like a one rep max day, I don't really see a lot of belts. Like, it's yeah. not really a big thing. Yeah. yeah. Which, is, which is good. There are a few and far between people who put them on for a wall ball day, and I'm like, hey, man, let's talk about this. Recently, <laughs> really yeah. Walls. Yeah. yeah so Toast to bar. <laughs> Just need a little, little help. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the last question I came up with was, how do I implement strength training on top of CrossFit classes? So that's kind of a tricky one and really depends on the, the person. But I think if, like, in my mind, that, that would come from somebody who's like, I, I want to get stronger or I want to bias my training a little bit more towards strength, mm-hmm. which I think there's a decent amount of people, especially once they've been doing it for, like, a year, a lot of people find that, all right, I want to get a little bit stronger. Um, like, how, how do I implement that? So, I, I would definitely say be prepared to sacrifice a couple of days of your CrossFit training. Yes. You shouldn't. Yeah. If yeah. you're looking for a true dose response on your strength training, you shouldn't also then just go take class after. I would 100% agree. So yeah. maybe take a couple of days during the week where you would be coming to a class and devoted to just lifting. And yeah. that's it. That's all you do in that day. And you're, you're probably... Yeah have the mindset that that's not a lot of work, but that's actually going to give you more return. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And, yeah, so maybe you sacrifice, depending on how much strength you want to, or how much you want to focus on strength, you either sacrifice one day or two days. Because, I mean, even do, sub, like subbing out one class for one strength day, that's going to that's gonna actually help Over you get stronger. Over time, make a difference. Right? Yeah. yeah. But, um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, maybe a good plan of attack is to figure out and be honest with yourself through actually assessing it and see how, how structurally balanced you are. Mm-hmm. And then with, with those things you've discovered are you're more structurally balanced, then you devote your energy for those days that you are, you are uh, giving to strength to bringing those up through that progressive overload. I, mean, right. that, I think that would cover a lot of bases for a lot of people. Yeah, like, I don't think most of us are at the point where progressive overload won't won't do well for them. Yeah, so like if you, so you're saying if you have a 500 pound back squat, but you can only, or 500 pound deadlift, but you can only back squat 100 pounds, yeah. then you know you should be spending your time right. on, a, on a squat. Or so, you, know, if you have a bench press that's 300 pounds, but you're, you can barely do your weight for a pull up, right. then you know, we know we need to develop that pulling pattern. Yeah. And don't do the one, because you probably like bench pressing, or you probably like deadlifting, Right. But don't just keep trying to get your deadlift endlessly strong. Right. It won't serve you. I've said before I would easily borrow 20 pounds off my back squat to give 20 pounds more to my deadlift. Yeah. I, do the, I do the opposite. Yeah. 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 We should switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'd take some of my overhead squat off to add to my deadlift. Yeah. That's a problem nobody else in the world has. Yeah, I know. I there might have one there. I'll give you a whole heap yeah. chunk of my deadlift. Leave, I'll give you 200 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was one point where my overhead squat was 275 and my front squat was 285. They were only t- 10 pounds off. That's oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> you must have been good at getting it overhead too, huh? Yeah. 
yeah, that, that was like the limiting thing almost was that like split jerk to get it overhead. Yeah. Behind the next split jerk. Yeah. You could get it on one of those, you got the racks with the arms on it. That's a mono lift. Yeah. <laughs> I saw one of those on a sale crane. for 60 bucks. You guys interested? Oh, damn. On, on Facebook Marketplace, the, a mono lift, like that clips into the uh, J-hooks of the, the rig. Huh. You know those like mono Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if we'd ever use it, but. One, well, per, one person would one person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one person. Yeah. Do it to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we digress. <laughs> um, anything? Is that all the questions we had? No. Yeah. I think we we covered a lot today, like yeah. always. Yeah. But yeah. Getting strong is good. Like, I don't know. I think, especially as we age, like being strong is is super important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's probably the. I would make the case that it's the most important thing to maintain as far as like keeping your bone density, keeping yeah. your lean oh, mass for, sure, yeah. for general longevity and health, mm -hmm. even beyond your cardiovascular yeah. and your whatever core. And all the things. The thing to remember too is that, man, the best time to plant a tree is now. Yeah. Second, yeah. Well, it was 20 years ago. Second best time is now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you keep waiting and waiting, delaying it, you'll wake up 20 years later and you'll be like, man, I wish. I was in the state I'm in. Yeah, we had like a 16-year-old kid go from a 200-pound 200 200-pound back squat to a 500-pound back squat in two years. In two years? Yeah. Who, who he was six, This was a uh, guy, Chuck, or maybe he was 19, so maybe it was like three years. Yeah. But uh, because he is young. Yeah, he's young. Yeah. <laughs> and then, the use, man. They like, just... If you're coming in here 60 yeah. years old, there's no way you're going to put and, on. And especially and so, young... Boys, man, they have all the testosterone. Right. Right, the prime of their life with testosterone. They're cheating. Yeah, cheating. <laughs> cheating. Adrena, yeah. Let me drink that Adrena Curl. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... Okay. A little off the rails there. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows what that is. I do, but... Yeah, so I, I think, yeah, that's definitely key. Start now. Yeah, start... <laughs> We always take a <laughs> side tour there. I, I'll end it with a. Do you know guys know George Hackenschmidt? Uh oh. -uh, inventor no. of the hack squat. Oh. No. He's like an old time strongman, like early 1900s guy. Hmm. Um, he like like Eugene, hack squat, huh? Eugene Sandow, all those guys. Um, he was yeah, like part of that. George Hackenschmidt. He said, strength can never be divorced from health. Yeah. I think that's a good way to think about it. It's not necessarily true with all the other physicalities, but strength is the one that's going to carry you forever. Yeah. And it's the base of pretty much all the other stuff. Yeah. I'd say that rings pretty true. Yeah. And with that, yeah. we bid adieu. Us and George Hackenschmidt bid adieu. <laughs> yeah. All right. Another yeah. good one. Yeah. Well, that got lively.